0: Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Our text for our sermon is Romans chapter 11, verses 13 through 15 and 28 through 32. I am speaking to you Gentiles. For as long as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I am going to speak highly of my ministry. Perhaps I may make my own people jealous and so save some of them. For if their rejection meant the reconciliation of the world... What does their acceptance mean other than the dead coming to life? In regard to the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But in regard to election, they are especially dear for the sake of the patriarchs. Because God's gracious gifts and call are not regretted. For just as you were once disobedient to God, but now have been shown mercy due to their disobedience, so also now they have become disobedient, so that by the mercy shown to you, they may be shown mercy too. For God imprisoned all in disobedience, so that He may show mercy to all. This is the word of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the temple's been destroyed, and and we often overlook the imagery and and the lessons God was teaching in the temple, especially of His presence among the people. But if you were a Gentile, the temple was different. It had, shall we say, layers, If you were an uncircumcised Gentile, you could only go to the outer area. The women could go further than you, but they could only go to the next layer, and the men could go to the next, but then the priests could only be in the area where the sacrifices were made, and only the high priest could enter the holiest of holies before the mercy throne of God to make that yearly atonement in which he sprinkled the blood of the Lamb for the people on that seat. But you know what? God did not intend for his invisible church to have distinctions like that. Salvation is for both Jew and Gentile. As God said time and time again in the Old Testament, the Jewish people had been entrusted with the word and the seed of the coming Savior, and they were to shine. Sadly, they botched that. The Gentiles aren't always the best. And so today, as we look in today's text, we see that God gives mercy to the meritless, those who neither earn nor deserve it. And just think about those very first words. The Apostle Paul says, Now I'm talking to you, the Gentiles, for as long as I myself am an apostle for Gentiles, I keep on bringing glory to this ministry of mine. The word used for ministry in Greek is a word for serving tables. If one wants to bring themselves glory, the Christian church is not the place to do that in. And the Apostle Paul doesn't bring glory to himself, to the ministry, the service God has given him. And think about the mercy shown to the Apostle Paul to be able to serve. He studied under Gamaliel, studied to be a rabbi. Oh, by the way, Gamaliel was on the Sanhedrin, and one of the guys, he specifically said, it's better that we kill this guy and save our nation from the Romans coming. All right, you're studying under that guy. Maybe you're not so great. Oh, but Paul is zealous, and he holds the cloaks for the men as they stone the first Christian martyr, Stephen. Oh, yes. And then when the Romans change their law, he goes after and is persecuting and killing Christians. This guy does not deserve to be an apostle, let alone the apostle to the Gentiles, the most Jewish of all the guys, if you will, culturally, the one studying to be a rabbi, nor does he in any way deserve to write nearly 70% of the New Testament and arguably be the greatest evangelist in the history of the New Testament church. And yet God gave him that grace. He didn't deserve it. I already proved to you this morning, I botched the reading. I don't deserve to be your pastor. I'm a sinner. I screw things up. But you know what? It's easy for us to forget that you too are servants. And God uses you right in your daily vocations, mother or father. And I got to remind myself that it's a joy to serve as my children head into the teenage years. It's a service we give. It's not always easy for mother or dad to remember at three in the morning as they wipe the babies, but that they are actually bringing glory to parenthood and to God because they are God's hand. Christians have flocked to Texas to help hurricane survivors and they are the hand of God in picking them up and drying them off. It is a mercy of God to be able to serve him And never forget the greatest service comes first. He puts in your heart the trust that Jesus is your savior, that Jesus was perfect in your place and that he shows you to be perfect by washing your sins away with his blood every day. And the trust in that is the greatest service. And the next greatest service is then to function as a priest, which you do by telling others, showing them their savior and pouring his blood upon them. God gives mercy to the meritless. You and I don't deserve forgiveness let alone the joy of telling people their sins are forgiven. Let alone the joy then in even doing the side things that come along in proclaiming that message. Mercy to all of us who are meritless. But you know what? That mercy comes right in the middle of sinning. The apostle Paul already mentioned that he, he keeps bringing glory to the ministry of being the, the apostle to the Gentiles. But he always began by going to the synagogue where there would be Jewish people where the scriptures would be found. And once the Jewish people had rejected him, he took the few converts and, and he would go and work with the Gentiles. So he says in verse 14 about bringing this glory to the ministry his, he says, "If somehow I might incite envy or jealousy of my own people of the flesh, and I might save some from them." Isn't that funny? God using jealousy? In fact, he goes on. Indeed, if the throwing away of them from himself is reconciliation for the world, then what is the reception of them to himself except life from death? There are no verbs in verse 15. So it's actually a noun. If the throwing away of them. See, they threw away the Lord. He had taken on human flesh. He lived perfectly. And, and they shouted, crucify, crucify. They would reject him time and time again. The children, the descendants of Abraham, who had grown up memorizing portions, entire portions of the Old Testament. And the whole Old Testament pointed to the coming of the Savior. And when he came, they said no. And ultimately... When a person rejects the Lord enough and vehemently, God says, fine, have it your way. From now on, when you hear my word, it will harden your heart. But the Apostle Paul says, first of all, they rejected the Lord, and then God says, fine, you're on your own. But ultimately, their rejection led to Christ's crucifixion, death, and resurrection. God used their sin to give the world Salvation, And he offers reconciliation for them. So those who do come to faith and trust in the Savior, what do they get? They get resurrection from the dead. And here, we're not talking about what all of us get as well on the last day when God raises up the dead and he gives all believers those glorified bodies. See, if you're an unbeliever, if you're rejecting the Lord, if you could care less about the Lord, if you're neutral to the true triune God, you are the walking dead. Life from death comes when the Holy Spirit works through that message that Jesus has died for you and entered your heart. So firstly, God uses the sin of those people wanting to kill, murder Christ to save the world. But then the Apostle Paul says, as I go out to the Gentiles, I'm hoping that there's a sin that happens that will work for their good. They become jealous. You know, it's the old story. A kid decides he doesn't want a lollipop, right? So you hand it to his friend and his friend starts enjoying the lollipop tongue sticking out. Yeah, good time. Then the kid suddenly wants it, right? And they look over and they see these Gentiles. They don't have to. They don't have to have that painful surgical procedure of having their skin removed from the most sensitive part of their body known as circumcision. And they get to go to heaven. They don't have to, they're not obligated to uh, give 10% of their offerings and everything as a tax. They can give freely, even give more if they would like. They They can eat BLT sandwiches. They don't have to celebrate all those things and give up. No, it's all freedom for them. And Paul says, hopefully, Jewish people seeing their freedom, only some of them will be jealous, like that child with the lollipop and say, I want that. I want it back. And God will use that sin to give it back to them. God is not the cause of sin, brothers and sisters in Christ. And we don't want to misunderstand this, as the Apostle Paul said earlier in Romans, shall we sin that grace may increase? Certainly not. So we don't want to go out of our way and say, let's sin so God's grace will increase. But what wonderful comfort that God will actually use our sin to give us mercy. If you've attended Bible study, you've heard me tell the story before, and I'm not proud of it. I was working at a car dealership in, in Milwaukee and, and I changed oil and, and a plow truck came in and it had salt on the back tailgate, a salt disperser. And I, when I went to check the, the uh, I think it was the transfer case or the transmission, that thing was rusted. I had to check it. So I get out the breaker bar and it's a tight fit because of the exhaust and I'm leaning into it and that bolt just broke open on me. Wham! Knuckles come open, blood dripping everywhere. And I said one of those four letter words. Totally embarrassed. Everybody in the shop knows I've been going to seminary like three weeks. They know that's the guy that's starting to be a pastor. Oh, and they hear you knuckle-busting, blankety-blank, come out of my mouth. And all of a sudden, all the guys in the shop come running over to me. And they start asking me about the problems in their life and the concerns and where is God. I was ashamed of my sin. But it showed them that I was Normal. That I wasn't holier than thou. So the point here is, God gives mercy to the meritless. Mercy not only to serve, but he gives us mercy right, right while we're sinning. And again, we don't use that as an excuse to run out and sin that grace may abound. But there's another mercy here. This is the Apostle Paul continues. He says, on the one side, in accord with the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. On the other side, in accord with uh, the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. It's a mouthful. What he's saying is, because salvation's free, and salvation has come to you, and the Holy Spirit has given you faith so that you trust that guy that took on human flesh and was murdered, or at least it looked that way. He's true God, but he's also true man, and he saved you. And they resent you for being free of all their laws and obligations. The ceremonial laws were oppressive, brothers and sisters in Christ. They were meant to be. They were meant to show how stuck we are and damned in our sin. And that we need a savior. So, so the Jewish people would resent them. But he also adds something there on the other side in accord with election. To be called out. Also known as predestination. God promised Abraham that the savior would be his physical descendant. God promised Abraham not just that his descendants would be numerous as the sins. Which happens for us Gentiles through the, through the adoption that is faith. But many of his own descendants would be saved. God had predetermined in advance that they would be saved. This is comforting for you and I, brothers and sisters in Christ. The doctrine of predestination can be confusing because it exposes the last vestiges of our work righteousness. What was so great in me that God saved me and not my neighbor? But listen to those words at the end. Paul says in verse 32, Indeed, God enclosed together all these people into disobedience or imprisoned them. And the confines of that prison is disobedience. It's sin so that he may show mercy to all these people. No one deserves salvation. No one. If we want to say it's not fair, if God's going to be fair, we go to hell. And so while you and I are sinners, God, God subjected the world to decay, and when Adam and Eve fell, they lost the image of God, and they would beget children without the image of God. But God allowed that so that He can give mercy to all people. Now, the doctrine of election says if you're saved, it's because God in- planned it, insisted on it, and made it happen, because you and I will fight against it. Let's not kid ourselves. But if you're damned, it's not a two sided coin, it's not God's fault. God is innocent. You are to blame for rejecting it. So that throws us off. But there's a wonderful comfort that God means to give us. And he says that in verse 29, because God's gracious gifts and calls are not regretted. God is the subject. He doesn't revoke it. When he elects you, he keeps you. That's a comfort. So long as you keep saying in the word, God keeps promising you, I have elected you and this is how I keep you there. And I have had the privilege of pastoring people who fell away from the Lord, but God meant the baptismal promise when they were children, and He brought them back. The elect will not be damned. He will make sure that when they die, the Holy Spirit is in their heart. So when you're worried, what if I fall from the faith? Find comfort. God's not going to revoke that. The problem is, how do we know we're elect? We stay in the Word, and God gives us faith that the promises are ours. Then you can be confident. And so he says, Indeed, just as you yourselves were once disobedient to God, but now you were shown mercy by their very disobedience, so also these Jewish people now disobeyed for the advantage of the mercy that belongs to you, so that they themselves may have mercy shown to them. That is a mouthful. The Gentiles were living in their sin. They weren't even knowing of anything with the right God. The Jewish people had the scriptures... So while the Gentiles were sinning, the Jewish people reject the Lord. God sends his apostle and the Gentiles are converted. But then the Gentiles get to do mission work with the people who had the Lord and rejected it. So that all people that God predetermined, elected to be saved, will be saved. And his promise to you in his word is, I've got you in my hands. Don't worry about the fighting of your sinful nature. Yes, fight against that, but I'll keep you from falling. And so today, as the Apostle Paul addresses that division between Jew and Gentile, which God does not intend there to be, the invisible church is all his children, we see God gives mercy to the meritless. All of us have been given mercy in order to serve. We serve by trusting in Him and proclaiming both His law and His gospel, sharing the good news of salvation. That's a mercy God has given you and a privilege. And He gives us mercy right while we're sinning as we go along. And as I already said, that doesn't mean we sin more so that grace may increase more. But ultimately, that is mercy by election. Not because you or I earned or deserved it, but because before God said, let there be light, He planned your light. And in spite of you and I being sinners said, I will make sure you know my Son as your Savior. Amen. And now to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his own blood and made us a kingdom and priest to God his Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen.